Inventions keep the world spinning. From fire and the wheel to today's high tech, inventions power change. Turn your inventions into reality. Learn how to get your ideas to market. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. In this episode, we'll be talking about raising more money at a higher valuation using intellectual property. If you are a CEO of a company, we are challenged to raise money. This episode is for you. This episode is also for all those folks in a company, maybe founders, CTOs, etc., that are considering raising money. This is something, as you listen to this episode, you can actually make a lot of money on if you follow some of this advice. Provide some sort of a summary here. We have had several decades of experience working with companies that are raising money with the unique strategy of leveraging IP to tell a better story to investors. We'll discuss the meaning of intellectual property, followed by the six ways to monetize intellectual property as the background for setting the stage for improving the value. We will address these in order, such as how to determine the value of your IP, why investors consider IP as being valuable, when you're raising money from investors, why should I invest in patents as the CEO? Assessing your current IP position. Expanding your IP positions beyond that so investors can take notice. And knowing the tipping point, how many patents you actually need. And then finally, putting together an IP story. And then looking backwards at all this and asking yourself the question, what is the ROI for all this? Uh, and will it, will it actually help me raise money? Well, let's go into some background. Over the many years, we have helped companies raise money and help investors understand the company's value. We have found that a cross-discipline approach is needed to perform IP due diligence and then understand the company's business, understand how to link the company's business to the company's IP and to value that IP. Beyond these skills, it's also necessary to expand a portfolio to create hundreds of more ideas and dozens of more patents. It's also essential to have cross-skills to understand and develop and lock in the company's trade secrets. Finally, it's essentially uh, to recognize we need to know how to put together a compelling IP story. We routinely see the right investors see much higher interest in dealing with and providing a higher valuation. It's important to note that using intellectual property to raise a company's value needs to be done in advance of talking to investors. It's challenging to change their minds once they decide to invest and at what valuation. Working with CEOs and investors of all sorts of deals, big and small, and across all technologies, shows us a fantastic consistency of developing and then pricing in the value of your IP. Taking advantage of these findings and the resultant methods and directions is sure to help you on your journey to raising money. But first, let's talk about what we mean by intellectual property. By intellectual property, we mean uh, intellectual property that has to deal with inventions, such as a list of inventory of ideas, provisional applications, patent applications, issued patents, trade secrets, and enable publications. It may not appear evident at first blush, but we have found that even a list of well-sorted and organized ideas do show investors the company has a discipline around intellectual property and also that they value their own intellectual property. Provisional applications are also great and an inexpensive way to protect your inventions for a year. You can let the investment that follows actually pay for the subsequent patents. This is a trick we've learned over the years so that you can have the prosecution uh, be paid for by the investment, but the provisional will save the time uh, and give you the opportunity to own the invention at very low cost. At least a few issued patents are essential to show investors that your technology is novel 
as the patent examiner has become an independent judge of novelty. The patent examiner is actually saying to the investor, by issuing the patents, that what you have is novel. Issue patents also provide an asset that investors walk in having a, a stake in. It's important to recognize by paying the fast-track patent filing, you could actually have issued patents in months, aligning with your raise. Trade tickets are also important, and they're almost zero cost to create and protect. The trade tickets can add tremendous value to the investment because they cover core technology that cannot be easily copied. Note that your trade tickets can be identified at low cost, and you can create a trade ticket registry and a trade ticket process to provide a really good showing to investors. You should also not discuss trade secrets contents with investors at any time, but you can represent and warranty that you have them. They can later be checked by independent patent counsel as to their existence and possibly their value. Finally, a well-used uh, strategy but not well understood is enable publications. Once again, when you publish, you can stop somebody from, from patenting. So this is a way of stopping others from patenting on top of your company's patents or around uh, protective alternatives. Enable publications strategies will put you at the top of the sophistication of an IP strategy. So now let's talk about the six ways companies monetize IP. Uh, note also that when we talk about this, there's also hybrids of these. We can combine two or three of these together. Intellectual property, as we discussed above, has various ways it can impact value. So we've categorized these, and here we go. The first one, of course, is litigation. The fundamental constitutional right of a patent, being able to stop others from making, using, and selling, a product covered by your patent. This right involves policing your patent in the industry and then formally engaging attorneys to take the matter to court. The path towards monetization is usually not a small company uh, path because it's an enormous amount of money needed, three to five million, and very long-term focus is needed many years. There's a risk uh, is high that your patent can be invalidated, and there is some risk that you have uh, with the defendant's legal fees. Beyond this, it's unlikely an investor would want to invest in a company during litigation. Patent litigation is a drain on the company and the CEO's time. So probably even though patent litigation is a direction to monetize, you probably don't want to be involved in this and stay away from this during the raise of money. The second is licensing. Licensing is a way of making money through patents, but does require an effort and skill to pull off. There are two types of licensing, stick licensing and carrot licensing. Stick licensing usually means credible threats of a lawsuit, but it's far less costly and time-consuming than litigation as described above. One must be very skilled in doing stick licensing to ensure your company does not get involved in a declaratory judgment. Carrot licensing involves getting a potential licensee to take a license based upon the future benefit of the patents what they will use. Once again, skill is required to find the licensees, make the case, and close a deal. And even then, it's likely that the license fees will take years to mature. The third way to make money in intellectual property is the uh, invisible way of adding to your gross margins. See, when you have intellectual property, it means that you can leverage it in obtaining higher margins. Supposing you have a supplier of components that are protected by your IP. This position means that no others can supply these components, and your customers should know this. The position also means that you can likely add more profit by getting higher margins up to a point the market will bear. Studies have shown about 34% increase in margins of products that have patent protection versus those that don't. One easy thing to see is that with the good patent protection of a component, it's far less likely to see those components in the market, and therefore the market will pay more because they have fewer options to debate the price down. The fourth way to making money is leveraging in contracts and agreements. Having intellectual property allows the company owner 
of the patents to get deals in place because no one can do the deal without infringement. Suppose you have patents on how a supplier processes components that they sell you. This IP position means that you should get a lower price for the components versus others that don't have the patent. In essence, you could go to the supplier to negotiate a deal to use your IP-protected process to supply components to you. This process would also allow you to negotiate an excellent price for the components, minimizing the supplier's ability to have higher margins. The fifth way is enhancing brand. Enhancing brand is a great way of uh, monetizing intellectual property. You see, having patents in a space allows your company to be uh, thought of as an inventor and innovator. In marketing, this is an important message because it allows the brand to be enhanced. Sometimes a larger brand has the power to move markets quickly, but many times smaller brands can win over the prominent brands because they can be seen as the innovator, as the products and services will appear more novel and newer to the buyers. In almost all markets, innovation is appreciated. The sixth and final way of uh, getting more value and monetizing intellectual property is enhancing your stock price. Many times one can see public companies announce a new patented technology in the market, and the market responds with an increased buying and its increase in the stock price. This possibility is undoubtedly evident in drug companies. When a new drug is discovered and patented, one can also see companies that may announce a patent license income or patent litigation and win some settlement related to some new positive way, and that then also produces an increase in stock price. In essence, the patents in public companies can be leveraged to the retail investors and enhancing the desire to bet that the company will, will succeed and hence raise the stock price. In the very near future, we'll be talking about uh, do investors really care about all this? So later on, we'll be talking about the sort of mindset of the investor. So stay tuned. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. But let's talk about how to determine the value of IP. One could do an IP valuation to determine the value of the IP. It is too difficult to value the other ways to monetize uh, as it requires knowledge. So it's hard to value the impact to brand or litigation or contractual value because there's many risk factors that one has to account for, most of which don't have data available to analyze. But certainly one can do an IP valuation in determining the licensing value of intellectual property, something we do all the time. And it requires finding much available data, for instance, the market size, the growth of the market, the top players or licensees in the market. Other known data can be obtained regarding royalty rates and the cost of capital in the affected markets. IP valuation analysis includes an apportionment of the patents to the market, and that can be done. Uh, there's some sophisticated tricks to do that. There are many known proxies to find the apportionment value. Finally, analyzing the patent risks is based upon the expertise of how well the IP can be licensed in the market, such as how well the IP can be reverse engineered, etc. Valuing IP is very useful as the valuation can be shared with investors, especially investors that value IP for M&A for enhancing downside protection or other reasons. Finally, valuing IP is very useful for the CEO to see what impacts the value as the information may be helpful for the business at large. We have seen, for instance, the valuation exercise shown only three major companies in the market for a license. That then that is reflect, reflected with considerable risk that the company would have uh, only three bites at the apple to get a license. So there are many factors that impact the valuation. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, do investors really care? So let's talk about uh, do investors really care in terms of raising valuation, clearing freedom to operate, the downside protection, the due diligence for novelty, and just patents are used as an expense. It took decades of work and hundreds of investors uh, for us to figure out 
what impacts investors thinking and for small and mid-sized companies uh, etc there are various variations of investors some value IP and some don't this is an important point that if you're trying to raise the value of IP in the eye of the investor you need to actually find investors that believe IP is valuable because many don't the first thing is how do you raise your valuation a group of investors believe 100% as the value of IP and they won't invest in a company unless there's a good IP position. So these are investors that actually believe in IP and they will provide a higher valuation. These type of investors believe in patents as a monetization tool. These investors believe that the company's patent should be a critical reason that the company would enhance an M&A valuation. For many of these companies, we find ourselves doing an IP valuation to assess the value. And many times we're asked to work with the company to add more patents to enhance the valuation. So finding investors that believe in intellectual property is a key reason to get investors to price in the value of your IP. There are other types of investors that look at intellectual property as a way to sort of clear freedom to operate. These group of investors who believe about the negative aspects of a patents, they invest in a company to find out if the company finds itself defending itself in a patent litigation. They don't want to do that. Once money is invested in a company and announced to the press, what happens is potential plaintiffs seize that opportunity to get the cash. So these investors who have been burned by this want to have a freedom to operate. These investors believe that, uh, that patents are, are a concern. So these investors will also will most likely ask for a freedom to operate study or an FTO opinion to look at the company's products and do a patent analysis to find if there's a risk of a patent suit. Without a clear FTO opinion, these type of investors won't invest. The next group of investors look at intellectual properties as downside protection. These group of investors look at patent positions of a company as only downside protection. If the company fails, the only assets that they have are the patents to sell. So many times we are asked for the patent sale valuation. Some investors may invest more money to ensure that unique patent families have filed so their downside risk is improved. Just as investors may ask for key man insurance for their CEOs, getting patents for downside protection is a reasonable expense to cover the risk. There are some investors that wanted to determine the real novelty of the technology they want to invest in. These investors look at companies' patents and trade secrets to ensure that they are unique from the diligence perspective. These investors understand that the patent office is an independent judge of novelty, and therefore if there are patents, these investors would consider the technology to be novel. These re investors rely on the fact that the patents show the uniqueness of the company. The final way we'll talk about patents from investors' viewpoint is sometimes investors look at patents as just an expense. Some investors see patents really as just something that's a cost. I would say that about a third of the investors that we meet don't consider patent activity as valuable, and they also see it as a defocus. There are many reasons behind this that we have found. One reason is that invest investors have never been part of a company where the patents made a difference. So of course these investors might just see patents as an expense. Some of these investors saw some of their invested companies that had many patents where the patent fees limited the growth. In other words, the CEO had to continue to feed the patent fees with valuable cash of the company where they didn't have cash to do other things. In other words, these companies have overspent on their IP from the viewpoint of the, these type of investors. Finally, these investors uh, who believe the patents are just an expense believe that the only way to get returns uh, of the company is really to win in the market and not to be involved in patent battles or patent licensing, etc. 
So let's move on and let's talk about in raising money from investors, why should you invest in patents? Why should you, the CEO, invest in patents? For CEOs who believe in IP, it's also uh, possible they could use IP to raise the value of their company when they're raising money. And we found that it's best to target investors who believe in IP in this regard. Obviously, it makes sense that if you believe in IP and you find investors that believe in IP, that's an alignment that could really get you to raise the value and improve the chances of raising money. This direction is much more straightforward than you think, as it's easy to filter on the front end of the investor discussions to see if they believe in IP. If the CEO thinks their company's value is in specific aspects like IP or time to market or a key customer, they need to find investors who believe in these value drivers. The nice thing about IP is about a third of the investors we have found believe IP is very valuable. You see, raising the value through enhanced IP or a solid FTO clearance can be quickly done and inexpensively. Fast-tracking patent issuances is a new tool that we've used to actually get patents through the patent office in several months. In some companies, we've seen uh, this is as little as three months. Another thing that's important as a CEO is to assess your current IP position. It would be pretty straightforward and low cost to get an FTO opinion. We do dozens of these a year. If the FTO opinion is cleared, then this could easily be added to the benefits of investing. A cleared FTO opinion indicates that you have lower risk to all the investors. Investors could see an FTO as, as being positive if there's a clear FTO, and that therefore investors who are risk averse uh, will see this as positive. The positive psychology of this cleared FTO opinion to investors should not be underrated. If there is an FTO issue, now is the time to invent around the patents and, and make a change in the product. When done by professionals, inventorounds can take months to find the inventorounds and then likely another several months to implement the design strategies. But once this is done, we are back to the positive psychology of a cleared FTO. And the company now has a way of systematically lowered their risk in general. As mentioned, one can do evaluation of the company's patents for two reasons. If the valuation is high, this will help a lot in getting a raise and getting a better valuation. However, in many cases, the valuation is not as high as desired. In this case, the valuation can point to the reasons why the valuation is low. Reasons such as the apportionment of the patents in the market is low, or the patent risks are very high, or the patents have defects, i.e. they're easy to invent around, or the patents don't read well in the company's products, or the portfolio doesn't overlap with the value chain. In the case of the low valuation, the nice thing is that all these things are fixable through investing improvements using techniques like invention on demand. Invention on demand is a process we've used with companies over the years to create new and improved inventions to really impact and improve the valuation that may have been limited uh, earlier on. A CEO preparing to raise money takes stock of a weak IP position. We've seen many CEOs of small companies do a small friend and family round to get an immediate and improved IP position. This improved position is created by doing an IP extraction, such as an IP scan. This is another tool and technique we've used for years to extract invention uh, and then put them in the categories so we can figure out what should be filed, maybe what should be a trade secret, etc. And then take the key provisionals and file those immediately. This approach then allows the investor raise to pay for the final filings of the patents to lower the risk of not getting the raise of money from investors who believe in IP. We will talk about what we'll call the tipping point. Uh, how many patents does it actually take to raise the value? You'd be surprised. So t stay tuned for that. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. One thing we want to do is expand your IP position so investors take notice. We'll be talking about things like expanding IP in the value chain, 
expanding IP into the markets, and then forecasting future IP. In almost all cases, your company can expand IP uh, in the direction the investors have an interest in. In so doing, in advance, the company increases the odds of raising money, and they also increase the odds of raising the valuation. So there's a number of ways to expand the IP portfolio, and we'll discuss a few of these. The first is expanding IP in the value chain. By looking at your value chain, suppliers, partners, and customers, you'll find your initial IP can be expanded. Your IP and the related product will likely change how the customers do their business. This change could be patentable. Your IP may be uh, able to sit right on top of the partner arrangement or supplier arrangement, and that could change uh, the discussions, particularly if you have patents. So expanding IP in the value chain for le leverage in contractual enhancements is certainly a way to enhance the value of your business through intellectual property. This is a very sophisticated thing to look at your suppliers and your customers and to patent in their space so that you now have leverage in discussing with them. The next way is expanding IP in other markets. This so many times is missed. Many times IP can be related to other markets. So supposing your product was a socket wrench that had an LED light integrated. When you started to use the socket wrench, the light went on and stayed on for 15 seconds, unless the accelerometer uh, did not take a movement, in which case it then recognizes it's not being moved, and it shuts the LED off, thus saving battery uh, life. This market could easily be sized, but it's a small market uh, compared to all handheld tools. So this particular patent could be expanded from the socket wrench to all handheld tools. Evaluating, evaluating your IP, you might broaden the claims and provide numerous other examples so that one patent could be valued in many other markets. Suppose you have a patent on a camera on a security system that determines movement and then has an alarm. The software could create alerts, but likely could be used for remote viewing by other users to determine day or night. That's a much bigger market than the specific idea of having the camera uh, trigger an alert. The camera software could be used to determine when a security alert would happen, but it could also be used uh, to determine one night and day for, for turning on lights, etc. So any particular invention on camera with alerts could be expanded into many markets. So why not expand patents in other markets because it's future value for licensing? The last way we'll discuss is forecasting your future IP position. You see, it's helpful to understand your IP's future improvements as these new inventions and subsequent patents could show the company's future direction. It should be obvious to see that a company's IP could be improved uh, based upon the problems that you're seeing. Using processes like Invention on Demand, which we discussed, is a pretty straightforward way to create hundreds of new ideas to choose from for future patents. This strategy would be beneficial for investors to understand the future possibilities of their investment. Now let's talk about the tipping point. This is a little secret that I'm going to share with you um, that we haven't seen documented anywhere. When we plot the value on the y-axis of an M&A, to the number of patents of the acquired company on the x-axis, we can find a hockey stick bend up in most markets of around 15 patents. Why are 15 patents sort of the magic number? We have seen valuations for average companies being 1.5 to 2x in revenue uh, on average, but strategic acquisitions can be 5x or more. But we have seen valuations from 5x up to 200x, where, only the, the, where the only explanation could be the patents. We have wrestled with why 15 or so patents appear to be the tipping point for M&A valuations, consistent among very different industries. The best reason we can see is from our work over the decades of inventing around, and that is when you invent around one patent, that might be easy. 
but simultaneously inventing around 10 or 12 or even 15 becomes almost impossible. During an M&A process, the acquirer who needs to act fast to buy your company gets an opinion from their attorneys uh, and technical teams about the acquired company and asks the question, can this stuff be invented around? Because if it can be invented around, then there's probably no need to buy the company or at least have a low valuation. This understanding the forces that a company has in order to pay top dollar if they can't invent around is important. On the other hand, if an acquired company is easy to invent around, the valuation might be something that might be lower or might not be as a strategic fit. We have seen companies like us assist these M&A evaluations to see if the patent portfolios are easy to invent around. So one caveat, of course, is the market has to value value enough the, the um, strategic value to provide a 100 or 200x valuation. But so just patents don't make the valuation climb. The market has to bear that valuation. But in essence, knowing that there's a 15 patent tipping point is important because the human mind cannot possibly patent around 15 or 20 or 30 patents. So getting to 15 patents as a tipping point is a strong recommendation we would make. Finally, one of the things we want to talk about is telling your IP story. Over the years, we have worked with CEOs that recognize that their companies need to tell a better story of their IP. So in raising money, the patent analysis gets delegated to investor attorneys or firms like ours to do IP due diligence. In performing several IP due diligence a month over the many years, we have found that few companies ever do more than provide a list of patents to us. And many times this list is not even complete or even accurate. The company does not have really an idea inventory. They don't have a trade secret registry. And they haven't related their IP to the technology uh, in a structured or formal way. The IP doesn't fully connect to the technology. It doesn't connect to the company's products or markets or business needs. So, of course, an investor is not going to provide uh, an enhancement to value because of the IP because the IP is not being shown to have value. So an IP due diligence will review the patents on the, on the face just to see if there is clean title and to see if the patents are in force. But given attorneys and attorney firms, like, like all the ones that might do diligence, uh, uh, working to be very conservative for the investors. So they're going to come from the point of view of being conservative and not see the value. So the IP diligence usually returns minimum responses as to high value. So a CEO put in the position of responding to value questions for IP to an IP due diligence is left solely in an uphill battle to defend the, the value. The position uh, to be like this is really a shame. Imagine trying to sell your house and showing it in the worst possible manner, not cutting the grass, not doing painting and updating the house, and adding some sort of features that can highlight the value of the house. So the approach is, just like in real estate, uh, related to how can you get your house in a tip-top shape before offering for sale, uh, and you know what those updates should be. So why wouldn't a CEO want to do the best possible thing with their IP? Why wouldn't a CEO want to upgrade their IP and put it in the best possible light? The only possible answer for lack of a great IP story uh, before a raise or investment is that the CEO is really too busy or the CEO is not aware of how to tell a better IP story. In a Google search for the term IP story and patents, there are almost no returns. So there's not really education out there in this. It took IP Capital almost a decade to create our IP story service because we recognized that we needed to tell a better story. So over the years, we methodically changed our approach and changed our approach until we found a winning approach that when investors looked at the IP story, they didn't even bother with uh, an IP due diligence. 
the IP story stood in front, and therefore they didn't even have send the IP to the attorney to evaluate. So it should make sense to an investor that eliminating the need for an IP due diligence, a great IP story could be told. The IP story puts the patents, the trade secrets, the provisionals, the idealist, all in a best light. So let's sort of summarize here. What, what is the ROI for developing a great uh, IP and a great IP story? Using the IP story as an exercise to find value drivers and gaps to the value allows the CEO to use some other tools like Invention on Demand and IP Scan to improve, quote, the IP story. The value of getting the raise done and getting a higher valuation in the raise using the IP story far outweighs its cost. Just in the case of a seller to try to sell a home, the cost of cutting the grass, touching up paint here and there, and adding some highlights to their home is minor in comparison to selling the home or to get the top value. So here we've done it. We've talked about how to raise more money at a higher valuation using intellectual property. And if you're the CEO, we've hoped this helps and we're very encouraged in all the work we've done that this can actually make you a lot of money. We talked about how to determine the value of your intellectual property as a starting point. We talked about the psychology of the investors, who would consider IPs valuable and why. We then talked about in raising money, uh, why should you invest in patents uh, as one of the aspects of raising money? In order to do this, in order to get more patents, you need to assess your current IP position. And then you need to expand that position so investors take notice. We talked about value chain or other markets showing more and more value. And then we let our little uh, secret out that there's this 15 patent tipping point, And you could take that one to the bank. Uh, if you can get past 15 patents in different patent families, you are likely to improve the value of your M&A or in an uh, evaluation discussions with investors. And then finally, we talked about telling the IP story. Because all this is for naught if you don't tell a good IP story. And finally, we discussed the return on investor and developing IP to raising money. So thanks very much, and uh, we hope to see you again in our next episode. This is John Cronin from Invent Anything. Also, please subscribe if you like, and join our blog on Invent Anything.